Welcome to The Word in Life. The following message is by Pastor James Detweiler. Additional sermons and other resources can be found at thewordinlife.com. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And as you find that in Scripture, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day to focus our attention upon Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from your word, which is truth, to feast on your goodness in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to experience the fullness that is eternal and abundant life in him. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the last message in the sermon series, Second uh, Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ. And we're going to highlight some of the uh, major takeaways from that series, but just uh, for your own situational awareness, all of those messages are available online if you'd like to, at some later date, catch up and go through the entire series. But the main point is to remember Jesus. No matter what life throws at you, even now, to remember Jesus. And we've looked at how we do that, how we remember And as we are remembering Jesus, um, I think we need to remind ourselves how easy it is to get distracted or sidetracked or to lose focus and to get off course. Have any of you tried to perhaps hike without a map or a compass or any navigation skills? (laughs) It's very difficult, especially if you don't know the area well. And just a little bit of deviation over the course of time can lead you to a completely different destination, uh, a dramatically different outcome. And, of course, many of us don't like to admit when we're lost or off course and ask for help or directions. So the question that we then ask, if we spiritualize that, is how do we remain on track as a Christian? As we follow Jesus, how do we not get distracted or get lost? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Paul tells us, he says, the time of his departure has come. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. Pretty strong words, right? Sounds like Paul has it figured out. He's on track. He's not distracted or has not lost focus. But does that mean that Paul has never gotten lost in his life? No. And he's telling this to young Timothy. Does this mean that Timothy will never get lost in his life? No. And does this mean, since we are receiving these words, that we will never get lost in this life? No. Yet he's reminding Timothy, he's reminding us. Assuredly, he reminded himself time and time again uh, over decades of life and ministry to remember Jesus Christ so that you do not get off track or lost. We remember Jesus by preaching the gospel to ourselves and to others. We remember Jesus, his goodness and his greatness. And as we remember that, it empowers us to endure the good and the bad, in life, till the end, no matter what life throws at us. Last week, we explored the idea of finishing well 
That God as the creator, he defines what the measure of one's life is to be. What success looks like. And that if we follow Jesus, ultimately we cannot fail and will endure to the end. It's guaranteed, it's promised. It's rock solid assurance in scripture. Because our sovereign savior holds us, not ourselves. And will get us to the finish line. Now, we live that out by remembering Jesus moment to moment, day by day, second to second, experience to experience. So today's message is entitled, Remember Jesus Christ. We remember him in both the good and the bad, for he is Lord over all. Uh, And our connection to Jesus, or lack thereof, is the most important thing in life and death. Okay? And we'll see that that is not an overstatement. Your connection to Jesus... Or your non-connection with Jesus is the most important thing in life and in death. So let's look at the series, some highlights from the series over the past eight weeks or so. Paul begins by exhorting Timothy to fan the flames of saving faith, to Cherish that good gift of God through confident cultivation the same way that a gardener gardens and waters and, and, and tends the, the soil and, and takes out the weeds that we do the same thing with our spiritual disciplines as we follow Jesus, as we, we nurture our faith. We saw that uh, Christians are not immune to suffering, right? Part and parcel of this life. Um, but God has a divine purpose in our suffering, so we have a decision to make. We can just suffer and fall into that victim mindset, woe is me, poor me, or we can leverage our experience of suffering for maximum good and glory. That means God's good in our life and the lives of others, and then for His glory. We use those experiences to make Jesus look good or to reveal Him as good as He already is. Uh, we saw that every Christian has a platform of divinely appointed service, that we all have a ministry to perform in the home, in the workplace, in the community. We saw that no matter what challenges may come, that as we remember Christ, who is faith, who is good, who is great, that as we Remember, with our entire being, we, we find the strength to endure forever, however long God has given us, till the end. Uh, we, we, we've seen that we can serve God with a clear conscience because of forgiveness of sin. Our guilt before God because of our sin is removed, taken by Christ. So with that platform of forgiveness and reconciliation, restoration with God, we can now be free to love the world in righteousness, in justice, in compassion, grace, and mercy. And that's our identity, right? Our identity is in Christ, first and foremost. So as we found our lives upon that new identity, forgiven in Christ, uh, we can maximize our impact. That's when we're really unleashed to to change the world, if you will, in the power of Christ. Um, We've seen that... uh, That even in times of difficulty, we must again remember and retell the power and purpose of the great commandment and the great commission that uh, uh, God commands us. Jesus commands us to love 
him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. An impossible ask if not empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Supernatural empowerment. Um, and then the Great Commission, to go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, regardless of ethnicity or, or race or geography or culture, that, that the harvest is plentiful. That God is at work, and we enter into that harvest. Um, we saw that the Word of God, the Bible, um, should inform all that we do. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for correction, teaching, rebuke, and training in righteousness, so that we, the, the people of God, might be equipped, built up for every good work that God has purposed for us in eternity past. So we turn to the Bible to, to find out how to live life. And we view the world, whatever's going on out there in the, the news or in your social media feed or in your own heart, in your own mind, in your home, in your community and workplace. We, we filter all of those experiences through Scripture so that we can get God's insight into the equation. And then again, last week we looked at how to finish well, how to define success for our life and that God powerfully promises that we cannot fail in Christ. Ultimately, we cannot and will not fail, and we will finish well. So I want to look at a passage in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. If you'd like to turn there, you can. I'm going to read it, and you can follow along in that way if you'd like. But Luke, chapter 6, beginning with four, verse 46. Um, because all of those highlights from this sermon series, I believe, teach some wonderful gospel truths that we can build our lives upon. Okay, so, so how to, to live a life that honors Christ, all of these wonderful gospel truth uh, foundations, I think Jesus speaks to in this passage, again, Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. He says to his supposed followers and disciples and the crowds that were, were coming to him, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against it, that house, and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus, he's, he's talking about his authority. So if you claim Christ, then you kind of need to do what he says if he is the Lord, right? The master, the boss. Um, and the person who does take his words and put them into practice and build their life upon those words is like a man woman who, who builds their house on the rock, a firm foundation. No matter what storm comes, it will remain secure. Uh, Jesus really gives us two options only. <laughs> two options only in this uh, parable. Uh, one leads to uh, safety, security, satisfaction, what we were created to do and to be, and the other one leads to ruin, to destruction. Uh, and so whatever one's life looks like without Jesus, it doesn't matter, really. In the end, it leads to destruction. It's like the person who builds their house with no foundation, and when the storms of life come, the ruin is great. 
I, I love what C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, uh, uh, most well known for his many writings and publications in the 20th century. He, he says this in, in his last sermon ever preached called A Slip of the Tongue. He says, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God, it will make in the end no difference what you have chosen instead. If you have not chosen the kingdom of God, it will make no difference in the end what you have chosen instead. And then he goes on to say, those are hard words to take. Will it really make no difference whether it was women or patriotism, cocaine or art, whiskey or a seat in the government, money or science? Well, surely no difference that matters. We shall have missed the end for which we are formed and rejected the only thing that satisfies. Does it matter to a person dying in a desert by which choice of route he or she missed the only well. Two options only. Jesus says two options only. And it doesn't matter what it particularly looks like for that person who rejects Jesus in the world's eyes, good or bad, moral or not moral, ethical or not ethical, profitable and successful or not. It does not matter. In the end, it leads to ruin, destruction. So let us build our lives upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. Let us remember Jesus in both good and bad, for he is Lord of all. This is difficult, I will admit, to remember Christ in good and bad, and to accept him as Lord of all. Why do I believe that? I think the, the Bible teaches it. And I've got some passages here that describe God as sovereign over all things. For example, Job. Many of you know Job from the Old Testament. Uh, in Job chapter 1, picking up with verse 20, uh, we, we see that Job, he, he rises and he tears his clothes and he shaves his head and he falls on the ground and he worships God. And this is after um, his uh, family and some of his wealth and possessions and his uh, place in the community and even his own physical health is being stripped from him. So he's lamenting, he's mourning, but he's worshiping in that. And he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the, the author comments, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Does it say that, that Satan gives and Satan takes away? No, it says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Now, God used Satan in, in this, as an agent to carry out some of God's will to test Job, but in the end, the buck stops at our sovereign God. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Later on, Job's wife comes to him and and asks, will you still hold on to your integrity, your belief and faith in God? She says, curse God and die. Look at the horrible things we are going through right now. Can we receive that as from God? Curse him and die. And then he responds, shall we receive good from God and not receive evil? And then again, the author comments and says, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. So this is true, this is, this is right, this is good. 
his perspective, his theology in this moment, shall we not receive the bad, but only the good? I think this is what Paul is speaking to in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure all things. I can work through all things through Christ who strengthens me, good or bad. Again, how can we only accept what we perceive to be good from God and not accept the things that we perceive to be bad? Because in the end, God either decrees, that means before creation, God decided this was going to happen, or he commands outright explicitly, or he allows, for he is Lord of all. Now, I will admit that our perspective in this life is is clouded. We see now as in a mirror, dimly. And in the next life, maybe we'll have some more answers. But perhaps not, because we're not God. We're not the creator God. And we stand on all the goodness that we have seen and the greatness of, of God that we have experienced. He is using everything for our good if we love him and are called according to his purpose. Remember Jesus in both good and bad. Now, for me at least, it's often easy to remember Jesus in the bad. When things aren't going well and when things are painful and I'm crying out, this is difficult, this is unfair, this hurts me, it's it's not right, help me, help me, help me. It's easy to remember Jesus in those experiences. And if you identify with that, That's why we have texts like Psalm 50, which says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Call on God in the day of trouble. And he will deliver you ultimately, use it for your good, and then you will glorify him. Remember Jesus in the bad. But remember him in the good. How often do we neglect this? For example, how many mornings do you wake up and say, thank you, God, that I am alive and breathing. You got me up for another day. How easy is it for us to take for granted so many of the good things in life? That's why the psalmist tells us to enter His gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and he is faithful to all generations. So, if things are going well, praise him. If life is working out, praise him. (laughs) If things aren't working out, praise him. If things aren't going so well, praise him. Now, how do we remember Jesus, in both the good and the bad, in your prayer. I mean, that, that, that is a, an experience of the soul and the, the mind, the body, in which we're connecting with God. We're remembering Jesus. Uh, our Bible reading, meditation and reflection on Scripture, sharing the gospel, our worship, our service, uh, preaching of the gospel. How about this one? Your conversation in the home, the workplace, the community, what you're talking about with your friends and your family members and kind of on a moment-to-moment basis. You can remember Jesus in those conversations. 
You remember his past faithfulness, how good he has been to you yesterday. You remember those gospel truths that we cling to, not the limiting factors or circumstances we now face. I mean, those are important. But what will get us through that is remembering God's past faithfulness and those good outcomes that God brought about. Eyes on Jesus, not the situation, not the circumstances. I mean, don't be a dummy. Because if you're not aware, and I preached on that about situational awareness, you're going to get smacked out of nowhere. So you need to know what's going on in your world, but eyes on Jesus, right? That's how we remember. We center our faith upon God. Not the world, and not even our own selves. That kind of God-honoring religion cannot and will not fail. So here we go. I will leave you with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Remember Jesus in both good and bad. He is Lord of all. And the most important thing in life and death is our connection to Jesus. That connection is began and sustained and will go to the very end by remembering. It's not just a mental connection, okay? It's an active living relationship. Or what does it look like? I liken it to uh, marriage, for example. Uh, my wife and I celebrated 16 years of marriage recently, and what do we do usually on our anniversary? We get out the memory box, we get out the VHS tape, we look at the pictures, and we remember that this is a living, active relationship. This ain't mental gymnastics. Like, oh, I, I woke up today and I remember I'm married. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're remembering in the moment as we talk about the past and the present and the future. That's what we do with Jesus. That's how we remember Jesus. And this is the most important thing in life and death. It's not an overstatement. Our connection to Jesus. Uh, it's real, living, active, authentic, genuine. It's not abstract, but up close and personal. Our destiny, eternally speaking, hangs in the balance. Remembering helps us to endure, to persevere, and to finish well. Now, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about because you have little to no connection to Jesus. It's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. I was there. Some days I'm still there. How do we connect to Jesus? If that's the most important thing in life, how do we connect to Jesus? Faith is the first way to connect. Romans 10 tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, we will be saved. Faith, saving faith, trust in that helps us connect with Jesus. Repentance and discipleship. Jesus says in Luke's gospel, chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's how we remember Jesus, connect to Jesus. By repentance, that means turning from anything that dishonors God, old ways of living, old patterns of behavior, turning from that, forsaking that, dying to it. That's why Jesus uses that cross language. 
place of execution and death. So we forsake that and we follow Jesus. We turn to Jesus. We eyes on Jesus as he leads you into the future and discipleship as you grow in your faith. And then I love Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a person finds and, and covers up. And then in the person's joy, they go and sell all that they have to buy the field. So this is prioritizing Jesus. This is how we connect with Jesus. We make him number one. So whatever in this world that we treasure, and there are good treasures in this life, a spouse, a child, a friend, a parent, a job, a ministry, a hobby, it's okay to, to like those things, to derive pleasure from those things, to even treasure those things. But Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, our connection to God through Jesus, is like a treasure hidden in the field, and we're walking in the field, and we stumble upon it, and we're like, man, I want this. And it says the person goes and gets rid of everything else to afford to purchase that field to get the treasure. In our joy, we go and sell everything we have to have Jesus as our treasure, prioritizing Jesus. Faith, repentance and discipleship, and prioritizing Jesus. Always to connect to God through Jesus Christ. Always to remember Him. That's what it's about. Um, never too late to start. No one has arrived at the finish line yet. We're all running together. Thank God we are. Because I need to be picked up. And I think, I'm not judging, but I think sometimes you guys need to be picked up. We need to be reminded where we're going and where we've been. We need to be reminded how good Jesus is. Despite COVID-19. Despite civil unrest. Despite injustice and inequality in this world, despite sin in our own fallen hearts, we need to be reminded how good and great our God is, especially in Jesus Christ. Will you remember him with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good day. We thank you for your word. May it transform our hearts and minds. May we see Jesus as glorious as he truly is. May we tell the world of that glory, show that glory. May we be the people of God. May we pursue the things of God. Thank you for all of these good things, the good and the bad we receive from your hand. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us at the Word and Life. If you've been encouraged by this message, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to check us out on the web at www.thewordandlife.com.